0: We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, that we will be encouraged and strengthened by your word. Thank you, Lord, that we will be stirred up to prepare an ark of safety for our loved ones, for the righteous, for your church, for those that we can pull under the canopy of protection by you. So we honor you and we love you today. And we thank you for blessing us to see this day, to rejoice in this day to be healthy and whole in this day, to be prosperous in this day. We thank you for all of the benefits you give us today. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So, we're going to talk about the Ark of Safety and uh, how to build your Ark of Safety. And uh, you are all in the process of doing that. I want to encourage you in that. We always look as prayer as being an ark, and that is a, a vessel. That will carry those who are deemed righteous or deemed safe by God to receive salvation, to receive deliverance, uh, and to receive um, whatever it is blessing that's coming into the earth. Uh, we, we need to know that God does, does judge unrighteousness. Amen. He is a God of judgment, and uh, I hear, I see many things on online. You know, there's prophecy. Uh, Websites where you can go on where anybody can post a prophecy, and uh, I don't know why most people, you know, that that see such doom and gloom all the time. People think prophecy is only for, or the future is always dark. You ever, you ever pay attention to that? I mean, seriously though. God's not going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked, okay? Just make that, write that down somewhere and make that notation, amen? Uh, you're in no danger of leaving here with anybody who's a ranked sinner. Well, I, I'm happy for it, I, you know. Now this is something we have to come to, to terms with as believers because there are so many people out there claiming to be prophets and claiming to hear from God, and, you know, this word is for somebody, and just throwing words out there for anybody to catch them. Huh? If God gives you a message, He get, tells you who that message is for. <laughs> Don't your mail come to your house with your name on it? I mean, if the government's got that much sense, I know God has much more sense than that. So it's not just for somebody to catch it, you know, get up under this and catch it. You know, if it's for you, it's for you. I don't know who it's for and all that. That's, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible. If you look from, from Noah, one of the first first righteous men that God spared a mouthpiece for God, but from him to Abraham to, to the major prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then all of the minor prophets, nobody went out in the street and said, I don't know who this is for. Even if they prophesied on a street corner, they knew what city they were, the message was for. When uh, Jonah didn't go to Nineveh and tried to go to Tarshish, God had him swallowed up in a whale. That's just how important it is for that message to get to whom it's intended. God is not scared to speak to somebody specifically. He knows what he wants to tell you. And if I want to hear from God, I want him to tell what he he wants me to know. Not something for everybody. You got me? If you want a word for everybody, read your Bible. That's the everybody word. Well, it does bug me. I am a little ticked off by this stuff. Because I I honor the word of God. I consider the word of God very precious. And I don't play with people when you know what thus saith the Lord. So I was glad for the word today. God, get rid of all them false folk (laughs) and straighten me up. I just don't want to be one of them. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on now, y'all. Let's quit playing. Let's get down to, to business because God does have a word for people. And he does have a kingdom here, and he wants people to be directed Uh, properly in his kingdom he's up to something he's up to saving humanity amen and to me that's serious business and he's not sending people to throw words out on his behalf to anybody who's going to catch it and y'all better not be catching them words out there (laughs) but you know what i'm saying he has something for you is for you so praise the Lord. <laughs> okay, all right. So in Genesis chapter 6, if you'll go there, we're, we're going to tell, tell the story of Noah, or, you know, and find the relationship between his situation and ones that we would have uh, in the earth today. Noah was chosen to build an ark. Why? Because he loved God. Amen. That's your qualification. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So that obedience goes without saying. If you love God, you do what God tells you to do in all ways. And so Noah was was chosen because God saw he was a righteous man. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, we look at the outer appearance. God looks at the heart. And when God judges righteousness, it's a heart decision. He looks at what, what the intent of your heart is. He looks at how you conduct your affairs and your life. Many of these uh, older patriarchs worshipped God. We know that God had a covenant that included worship because in the garden, he uh, slew an animal to atone for Adam and Eve's sin. And then with Cain and Abel, he expected an offering and a sacrifice, right? So there was worship instituted. There was a covenant in force. Even back then, it wasn't expressed the way it was during the time of Moses, but there was a covenant in force where man could maintain his righteousness before God and he can keep relationship with God. And so that's what Noah, more than likely Noah obeyed those kinds of laws before God. He probably had an altar where he regularly offered sacrifices, worshiped God when he sinned. He brought an animal and made the sacrifice and God accepted it. And so for, so therefore by his faith, And keeping those laws, Noah was deemed righteous. So in verse 9 in Genesis 6, these are the generations of Noah. He was a just man and perfect in his generations. That word perfect refers to devoted to God. He wasn't... Uh, playing around with God, you know, come to church, you know, the Easter lily and the poinsettia, come twice a year or something like that. I said, thank God for Easter and Christmas, you know, or you wouldn't see him at all. No, it wasn't like that. He was a righteous man, which means he walked in a consciousness and a knowledge of God at all times. You, you go there with God. You live a life with God as your constant companion. You know that you have to please him, and these things please God, and he was judged righteous by God. So we can't argue with him. We can't wish, well, I know he did something wrong. Yeah, but he repented, and he got righteous before God. He made the offering, and the sacrifice. I know one thing, if it weren't for Noah, none of us would be sitting here. So He must he must have passed the test of righteousness. Amen. So he had three sons, and the earth was corrupt before God and was filled with violence. Can you imagine living, and it's bad enough the way we have to live now, but living in an atmosphere, and you're the only people. I mean, if you if Noah had a church, him and his family would be the church, and that would be it, and everybody else is, is dancing and singing and carrying on. Not that there's anything wrong with that in the house of God, but you know what I'm saying. They're They're selfish after their own lust. Everybody's after murdering. Uh, you know, violence and and, uh, promiscuity, things of this, just a vile way of living. And it so turned God off that he decided to destroy everything. He he told Noah, when God has something planned for judgment, he will always inform the righteous. I'm going to say that again. When he has judgment planned, he will always inform the righteous. How many righteous people we got in here? Then if something's going down, y'all gonna know it, okay? huh. <laughs> it's funny, I was I I read uh, books by Watchman Nee many years ago. And he was saying that somebody he was talking about uh uh, true and false healings and stuff like that. And he said he was in a, an assembly where somebody gave a testimony about being healed. He said if if God healed her, I would praise Him. Now well, think about it. That's a good way to ch- judge a testimony whether it's of God or not. Because if if I give a testimony, and you get a witness in your spirit then you will praise God with me. But if God didn't do it, you won't. You understand what I'm saying? So we got to know and trust the judger on the inside of us, amen, for these things because the world is getting crazier and crazier. We done prayed the Long Island medium off. I thought she was gone. That little witch is back again. That is witchcraft, y'all. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to get silent on me. We ain't scared of those stinking witches up in hell. Huh? (laughs) He's not. God's giving us all power. That little stuff they got. That little pixie dust they got. Don't move nothing. (laughs) So the earth was corrupt before God was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. The other thing I'm going to tell you, too, if God warns you of something, it's because he wants you to do something about it. You understand me? Rather than go blab it to everybody and try to scare everybody up with your visions and your dreams, you got me? You, what did God tell you to do about it? Huh? Keep it to yourself. I remember when, when I first moved to Detroit, I had a dream. I never told anybody about it. You know why? God didn't tell me to tell nobody. And that's number one. That's his information to you. You have to do what he tells you to do. He tells you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We want to blab, let's blab that. We can tell that as much as we want to. But as far as information that God will give you for certain things, you have to be careful you handle that. Skillfully. Amen. So anyway, I had a dream of, about a... Uh, this was when Jack Kravorkian was still alive and running around killing people. And and God moved me here so that we could pray here Amen. against him. Amen. You got me? You, you have to do what God tells you to do. You got to understand these things. That God has a strategy and he will do what he needs to do to get his work done. But anyway, I had a dream and I saw a train that was going from like across the country and it was passing through uh, different states. And this train derailed and on this train were sick people who were terminally sick and the disease that they had and there was a man, uh, a man that that was walking around uh, one of the passengers on the train And I I got a look at him, and his whole face was one big scab. And his mouth was a little hole. And he was nervous and crying and nervous and crying, and he couldn't be consoled. He was just anxious. And the the Lord said that, that there will be death trains that will come to transport people to states where it's legal to put them to death. He said, if you let this thing go on, it will be legal in many states to put people to death. And Detroit was one state that this train was passing through. And God said, if you pray, it will keep going and it won't stay here. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to take that as warning. And so what did I know? I didn't know about any disease and I still haven't seen anything like that. But that doesn't mean it's not coming. But I do know this, that Detroit will not be the state where these people are brought to to be put to death because they're sick. Amen? And so we have to really understand what God calls us for. And when he calls us to prayer and he calls us to stand for him, how to handle information from God. You have to know how to rightly handle information that comes from God. And so God when he when he looked at Noah, he looked at him in comparison to all the wickedness on the earth and he said, "I'm going to save you." That's all you have to do is is love God and be obedient to him for your salvation. It's not hard. But when you're surrounded by so much corruption the way Noah was, I'm sure it was an effort for them just to stay holy and stay right. And so Noah must have been a very uh, uh, sincere and a a beloved father to be able to carry his whole family with him. All the sons, all the adult sons and daughters and the grandchildren were all righteous people. They were under Noah's care and under his authority. Uh, The contrast would be Job whose children partied all night long, and he tried to make sacrifices for him, and it didn't work. You got me? And so Noah was a different kind of patriarch. He was a man, a righteous man, but he commanded his whole family. Amen? Like Abraham, who commands his whole family. You'll see some some similarities between the two of these men. Uh, I'll talk about Abraham a little bit later. So the ark of safety is what God created for the righteous so that they could live because you're promised life if you love God. Amen? The Bible says choose life so that you and your seed can live and life is serving God. The devil has made it out to be something different. You ever notice when you're around sinners and you talk about God and they get nervous because they don't want to stop doing this, and they want to stop. I don't want to stop partying. I want to. I'll have to dress like you and look like you. Well, you look like you want to do, but please God, don't go to hell for how you look. You understand what I'm saying? You can go to heaven and please God. So when God judged the uh, the the earth, He said Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So in comparison to All of his forefathers, he was perfect and he walked with God. That's your qualification for righteousness. You have to live in harmony with God. You can't live in opposition to God and you can't live obeying him sometime. So that word perfect means to be consistent, to be mature, to be dedicated. So God is looking for somebody who is dedicated to him and consistent in their walk with him. The earth was also corrupt before God and filled with violence. God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. God said to Noah the end of all flesh has come before me. In other words God said I'm done with this for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will destroy them with the earth. He said make an ark of gopher wood, rooms that you will make in the ark and and shall pitch it within and without, with pitch. And this is the fashion which you shall make of it. And so he gives him the dimensions. He tells him where to put the, how tall to make it, how many floors, where to put the windows. All of these things were were totally outlined for Noah by God. Now when God Gives you something to do, you have to do it exactly the way God tells you to do it. See, with righteous people, this is not a problem. But with when the devil comes in and wants to tell you to do something, you know, cut a little corner here, do a little bit less here, it don't take all of that. Oh, God understands. Oh, you you know, we we got this kind of pitch. He want that kind of pitch. All this kind of stuff. The devil always wants you to cut corners on something that God has instructed you to do. Because he's always playing to our our unrighteous side. He's playing to our carnality. He's playing to our flesh man. What's convenient for the flesh. Many times God will give you things to do And you'll know God's standard, and you'll know his instruction, and it'll be a challenge for you to get it done. Now, I'm sure Noah wasn't, I mean, if he's just depending on himself and his family to get this done, it's going to take some effort, and it's going to take a while. Because if you can imagine all of the animals, the people, not just the people, but all of the animals that he had to place in this ark to save them, it took some work and some effort on his part to get it done. God judges our work and our effort. He always does. Don't ever think God is in the easy way all the time because he's not. He's going to challenge you to raise your standard higher. He's going to challenge you because the whole time Noah's chosen to be saved, but can he really do what God tells him to do to make that salvation secure? And this is what we, this is the life we live here on earth. We are making our salvation sure and secure now. You know, we're born again. We have a job to do for God. We know we have a job to do. Some people do it with more zeal, more dedication than others. But God expects everybody to be dedicated to what he tells them to do. Because the ark that you're building now in your life here on the earth is your eternal habitation throughout all eternity. So what you do for God down here will determine how you live forever. So you don't get a second chance. Just like Noah didn't get a second chance to put pitch in that ark the way. Suppose he sprung a leak. Suppose one day he said, oh I'm going to put it all over but I ran out of pitch for this side right here. God understands. You understand what I'm saying? And so suppose he had played cheap on the building of the ark. Just like with some of our loved ones, suppose we just lay off praying for them as fervently as we usually do. Sometimes we put off not, you know, they, you fall out with them, they make you mad, and then you say, Well, I'm going I'm to pray for them, you know, well, and then you pray for them less and less. You got me? There are many names I started out calling and some of them I scratched out because, you know, I didn't hear from them or something like that. But then God will will quicken me and will convict me. You know, you keep praying for these people because I'm still interested. So if he was ever interested in saving somebody, he still is. And we have to understand that. So your maturity, your righteous maturity, your perfection before God is determined by how consistent you are in following his instructions. If an ark could be built in a day, we'd all be good at it. But it takes years. For Noah, I'm sure it took years for him to get get that ark built. And so God tells him, he's going to let him put a window in the ark and tells him what, what height of it and what size. And verse 17, he says, because I am going to bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. He will destroy all flesh and from from, uh, from everything that, that has life from under heaven, and that everything that is in the earth shall die. But with you I will establish my covenant. So God leaves a remnant, or he leaves a righteous uh, group of people in the earth so that he can establish his covenant. He will never not have a people with a covenant in the earth. So if he has to wait for all the unrighteous people Uh, to die off the face of the earth and then he continually raise up righteous people then he'll do it that way sometimes God will wait for centuries before another crop of righteous people come forth in the earth who love him and want to serve him and want to live for him but he will have a people in the earth who will serve him God is very confident about that so it's never true that everybody's no good or everybody's going to hell. God has raised up people that we don't even know about, and he always has a righteous people in the earth. People are seeking God all the time. So when God judges uh, the, uh, the nations, he gives mercy to the righteous, and he preserves life. God wants to preserve life. Because Noah found favor in God's eyes, he was spared and his whole house with him. So God never sees you apart from your family. He sees you in your family and all your possessions. See, there's nobody left out. Nobody left out. That's just not, that's not in God's. Because he sees a seed, that, that a righteous seed and then all the branches of that tree are righteous too, and they're included in that. So you determine righteousness for your children, of course, your spouse, your grandchildren, your relatives, near relatives. He sees that righteous seed, and he wants to preserve it in the earth. So we all have a right to claim all household members for salvation. You don't leave anybody out. You don't leave anybody out. It it blessed me so, and and I'm not doing this to to embarrass Brother Marcel, but I I was blessed to to know his mom a little bit. And I looked at that, amen, she's a real sweet lady. And I looked at that, and and I can remember when when Marcel and and Pastor Shirley were prayer partners that day, and he said he wanted to pray for his mother. And, And it's just been in the past year, I would say, that we've known her to pray for her. But it was a blessing to see her. The last time we were here at the Rejoice Detroit, she danced around this, this sanctuary, and she was praising God and glad to know God. Amen. So, so God doesn't leave anybody out. He, we want our relatives saved, and so does God. Amen. And he will save them. So. But I did see a, a faithful son do everything he could to make sure his mom was saved, and God saved him. Amen. So he never sees us apart from family. He sees us in our family and sees everybody saved and all your possessions. So the ark is God's direction for deliverance and salvation from judgment. And that's what we need to cry out for. You know, whenever you see something, I don't care if God sends you a personal message or he speaks to you in a vision or a dream. Your job is to ask him what do you do to ensure the the salvation of the righteous yeah we don't we don 't share <coughs> share these catastrophic things without being responsible to ask god what, how what about the righteous Now I see destruction or I see a great fire some people saw for years. I remember Dave Wilkerson, do you remember him the late Dave Wilkerson. He had that uh, vision, and and so it didn't come to pass for a long time. People say they believe it was what happened in September 11th, amen, 9-11. And so he saw fires everywhere, and he saw people screaming and running in the streets and so forth and so on. And so if that was it, what could he have done as a prophet of God to ensure that the righteous were preserved? Amen. So you know that that God will not destroy the righteous along with the sinner. So if that's coming as a judgment for us, what does God want us to do? I believe we can also change God's mind and we can avert disaster. Amen. And I know if God's people are faithful to pray for the sinner and witness to the lost and so forth and so on that is the major way God has of averting judgment against the unrighteous amen is for them to hear the gospel and to be saved so god gave noah direction on how to build the ark he told it how to he told him how to make it seaworthy and this is the other thing that god will when you are praying for your loved ones you're building an ark of safety and protection for your loved ones you need to find out how to make it seaworthy, how, how to make sure that, that it weathers every storm that comes against it. For instance, if you have children in, in grade school, how do they weather the storms of, of children being deceived and abducted? you know, at a young age. So you pray a, a wall of protection around your children and start to believe God. Don't ever think for one minute that the devil won't try to snatch yours if he has a chance to snatch them. And so your arc of safety includes prayers of protection for your loved ones so that they, listen, I don't care what they're doing. You know, a lot of times people, you know, don't let your frustration with their behavior be an excuse to mark their doom. Uh, don't, let the, don't let the gate down amen because they want to play in it don't make them stay in it you got me you, you pray a way out for your children amen and they want, you don't want them ensnared and entrapped like the, uh, that, like the sinner is and so when you start building that hedge you make sure that your children are protected at every stage of life even into adulthood you know, I, I know parents, you know, 18 years and y'all worn out. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> You know, as far as, but when they leave your home, they're still your seed. Amen. So you have to pray those same prayers for them that even more so, when you can't see them, you don't know what they're up to. huh? And so this is, this is how we protect the righteous. This is how we protect our seed. This is how we create that arc of safety and make sure that it's seaworthy. It has to be uh, uh, able to weather every single storm that will come against it. And you know there are storms coming. You can't say it won't happen to your children or they won't get touched by it. Storms come to everybody, but they can be protected. You know, it's nice to spare your children from every uh, every harmful thing, but they will know God in the midst of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They have to have their own walk with God and have their experiences with God, but God will deliver them out of everything. Don't ever see them not delivered. Amen? Remember the prodigal son. The Bible says that he kept demanding, 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 wearing his dad down and demanding he wanted his inheritance now. And the father knew exactly what he was gonna do with it. Amen. Anytime somebody wants something ahead of time, they're gonna squander it. That's why it's good to wait for your season. Wait for your there's a due season for every harvest. And uh, amen. Yeah, some of us have made demands and wanted it so quick, and then thought about it. say so it's a good thing I didn't get it. You know what I'm saying? Wisdom of teacher a lot of things. <laughs> but anyway, you know, when 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 we start making those unreasonable demands, God has a way of letting us know He's only going to let us go so far with it. And so the prodigal was given all of his inheritance he went out and squandered it all started starving to death but what does the what is the word said it says while he was a great way off the father saw him coming back then to me that doesn't necessarily mean he saw him coming down the road i think a great way off was the day he left see so if they get they get bold and brassy and just got to go you see them coming back to God you see them coming back to the ark of safety you see them coming back to to uh to a place of refuge so that you see them coming back and serving God uh, when they get back it's a wonderful thing to experience that you know somebody who's been resisting God for years and years and years and all of a sudden they're like the uh demoniac he was in his right mind he had his clothes on it was in his right mind. <laughs> you know sometimes your kids go through stuff like that you know it's uh they get caught up in the world and dress all crazy and you say well, what you got that on for or off you know don't have enough clothes on when god gets done with them honey pray for you they be keep their clothes on and be in their right mind amen It's a good thing, but we have to have a vision of them serving God. That's your ark. When you build your ark, you have to have a vision of them serving God, not just saying they saved and never do anything different, but serving God. You know, they they must do that. They must. That's what God desires, and they must must produce that. So God gives you directions for that ark i love that about this story because he told noah just how to build it to make it seaworthy and for the number of days that he would have to be out at sea so it's an enduring ark in other words the instruction god gives you to keep your get your family saved and keep them protected will endure from generation to generation to generation so you 'll be able to teach your children how to pray and how to pray for their children, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Sometimes kids in in saved families are spoiled they don 't have to do much praying you know they but pray for god to to teach them themselves how to build their own ark and how to participate amen, and let God do what He needs to do because this you know, if the the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than that of the former, then we've got to teach them how to carry this on. You know, they and they've got to be sincere about it. Amen. Not just mouthing some prayers or praying a little bit in tongues and let somebody else read the prayer. All at You know what I'm saying? Slip shot. But you want them to take hold of these things, to to know God for themselves. And once they get in that place of knowing God for themselves, they find they enjoy it just like you do. Amen. Don't ever underestimate your offspring because they will be mighty in God. They will do exploits in the earth if we will teach them God's ways. Amen. God will never have you build by your own design. Get your own little bootleg floor plans and, uh uh-uh. Well, I 'm going to pray like this. I know God told me I had to pray in tongues for a certain night, but I 'm going to do this anyway. You know, you do exactly what He tells you to do. Amen. You can't afford. This is too important for you to cheat on or try to do it yourself. God knows what will hold. He told Noah how to build that ark so it would withstand all the storms of life. And God knows he can teach you how to, how to build your ark so it will uh, withstand every pressure that ever comes against it. Number one, you build it on the word. You must build your, your ark. You've you got to pray the word over your family. And you've got to pray in faith. You can't be doubting and you can't be fearful when you go into the throne room. You've got to leave all that stuff on the outside. And you step into the realm of the faith of the Son of God and then do your business before God. Amen. Watch your confession. Amen. Don't say things to the contrary of what you pray. The devil will make sure that your kids irritate you to death. So that you can start thinking, well, well, oh boy, you know, you just begin to lower your standards. The more irritated you are, the lower your standards go. So watch yourself. You need to elevate. Nope, devil, I'm elevating my standard. Uh, They're going to serve God. They're going to worship him. They're going to be givers. They're going to support the ministry. They're going to do everything they can for God. They're not doing less. They're doing more. And so when you start building your ark, let it be designed by God. Let it be God's way that he wants to use your child in the earth. Give him the freedom to use your children the way he wants to use them. Don't ever dictate to God what you think they should be doing. Amen. Let God determine that. He knows what their gifts are. He knows what their abilities are. And he knows when they're, they'll be drafted into service because we all have to undergo the draft, right? When God calls you into serving him, everybody's got to go. You know, nobody can hold out. And so always encourage your children when they hear the voice of God to obey that voice immediately. You know, don't let them be indecisive. Don't let them harden their hearts against obeying God Make sure they see you obey God immediately. And make sure that, that once you, you give them that pattern and that example, then God is obligated to move them to obey him too. We must know our, our ark will survive any coming judgment. And you know that by building according to God's direction. If God tells you to do something, you do it. If he tells you to fast, you fast. If he tells you to pray, you pray. He tells you to pray extra, pray extra. Sometimes people who are, are challenged physically uh, pray pray for others to be healed. There's one good way to get God to move on your behalf. What he, you make happen for others, he will definitely make happen for you. Amen. And that's just common sense anyway because you need that yourself anyhow. And you know you need it. So have mercy on somebody else who is in the same condition who needs prayer. God has tried to get us to trust him 100%. Because when destruction comes in the midst of the earth, you've got to know God. You can't be guessing at whether or not he's going to do something. You can't be back and forth about whether or not you'll be spared uh, whatever is coming onto the earth. You've got to know God and you've got to know and trust him. God knows how to judge unrighteousness. You should always ask God for mercy, you know, for people, because the Bible says those who are merciful will obtain mercy. And so we can't be sitting back, you know, grinning and saying, I told them so. You understand what I'm saying? Even though that's true and people know it, when destruction happens, they know when they're not on earth. But in mercy, if people will cry out to God and repent, he will save them. And so oftentimes when when judgment comes, there's that last-minute, split-second decision made to trust God and turn your life over to him. And so in that way, God can spare many people if we will pray. Don't ever see yourself as, as me righteous and them no good. You look at humanity as lost, needing mercy with great potential to serve God and pray accordingly. Always pray for mercy for those who are slated for the destruction because then they will be saved. They can be saved on the deathbed and then they can be raised up to go on and serve God. There are many examples of people who have been in situations where they could have died or could have been destroyed and God saved them. Our natural disasters on the earth will take people out of here, but God will save them even then. So we need to understand our position in times of judgment and in times of of destruction that God has given the righteous a heart of love, mercy, and compassion, and our prayers have to reflect that. If there are people that can come into the ark at the last minute, you have to let them in. Because unfortunately in Noah's time, God shut the door. He had made his decision on who was going to be saved. And so after Noah took in all of the the creatures that were supposed to be there, God was able to to, uh, set the floodgates open and the earth was destroyed. In Noah, uh, sorry, Genesis 6 18, he says, I will establish my covenant with you and your seed and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your son's wives with you. So these were adult children of Noah and every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall you bring in the earth to keep them, the ark to keep them alive with you. There shall be male and female. So there were some some uh, um, animals that God took in as sevens and not pairs. So Noah had to build an ark big enough for all of these. I mean, the people were were minimal in number. Now just think, if God's telling you all these animals are in this boat with you, and it's just you and your family, who's going to take care of them? How are they going to be fed? How is all this going to happen? But God had a plan, and had Noah not followed God's plan, none of this would have taken place and been possible. The Bible says those animals walked in themselves. So Noah didn't have to go round nobody up. He didn't have to go through any sweat and any trouble. You know, animals obey God better than people do sometimes. You got me? So when God gave the word, when that, that ark was completed, he spoke to every single animal, and they obeyed God and walked right into that ark. They probably stayed right where God told them to stay. And they endured that, that long rain. I think they were 120 days in that ark altogether. And so it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but their time in that ark was about 120 days. And they all came out alive. They all came out healthy. They all came out, nothing missing, nothing broken. And God established his covenant again with man in the earth. And you need to see the ark that you're building for your family, your loved ones, the same way. God will keep everything in order. Amen. Can you imagine uh, all the quote-unquote wild animals with the tame animals? You didn't see any lions having lunch on a little lamb in there or sneaking a, a. Pigeon or something like that. Everything was in order. And so when God builds an ark of safety for your household, everything's in order. Your kids will be orderly. They will be mannerable. They will be uh, children that can be trustworthy in their jobs. You won't have to worry about phone calls in the middle of the night. Like your children are doing something they're not supposed to do. They're going to obey God. He knows how to talk to them and get them to obey. So include them in your prayers. Include a good future. I don't care what they're doing now. And sometimes kids can do stuff for years. They can cut up for years. And then all of a sudden one day, God will answer that prayer. And they're enlightened and they understand who they are. And they go on and serve God. So it's a wonderful thing to build an art. It's, it's worth it. Amen. It's worth it to make the sacrifice to pray so that others can get the benefit of it. I enjoy prayer. I really like it. I, I, I would love to pray more than I do. Amen. I do too. I know you all do. Amen. Or you wouldn't be doing this for so long. Amen. So I, I wouldn't trade this life with God for anything. So God has a future for your seed upon the earth. Amen. Dear righteous person he has a future for your seed. In other words, you can get a vision of them uh, living long, not leaving the earth before their time, prospering, doing well spiritually and materially. Amen. Don't always look at the material. I know sometimes, you know, parents will, will uh, enjoy seeing their children prosper financially get good jobs and oh boy this is i wish i could have made that kind of money when i was their age you know that kind of thing and but always put the spiritual up top see and then they'll be able to enjoy the fruits of their labors you want to them them to enjoy it so our arc of safety is our prayers prayers form a hedge of protection around the people we pray for, and also your word becomes a canopy of protection over them from things that would, would be uh, just in the atmosphere. You know, it will keep them in the right atmosphere, it will keep them with the right friends, it will keep them with the right acquaintances. And pray bold and pray strong prayers you know uh, if you don 't want if you know somebody 's bad for your child, just ask God to separate them from them amen because you want them around righteous, you know no matter how they live. you know what i 'm saying I mean uh, sometimes kids you know they just fall into the worldly pattern of doing things, but always see your children as righteous you know and, and separated from the world don't don 't throw in the towel because they 're acting acting crazy right now. You know, they, they always have a way back to God. So our words provide a hedge and a canopy where a thousand will fall at their side, ten thousand by their right hand, but won't come nigh them. So Psalm 91 is a wonderful psalm to pray, to protect your, your children from evil and from, from wickedness. The promises of God are always for you and your seed. And God never cuts them off from promises. He, there, he promises to heal you. He promises to heal them. Promises to, that you will worship him and know him. They are the same way. So every promise that you enjoy in God, is, 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 you're a seed or entitled to. And your loved ones, man. Because God sees seed as not just vertical, you know, you children, grandchildren, and so forth. But also horizontal. So nieces, nephews, cousins, relatives. Amen. It's always good to see everybody. You know, you look around the table at Thanksgiving. Just envision everybody sitting around there saved. You got me? And we have some very exotic Thanksgivings. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? You know, Bebe Nim and Bebra and Man Man and John, John, Uncle, 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 and everybody, you know, just see them all saved. Amen. I mean, when I said look around the table, I thought about my table last Thanksgiving. I thought, huh? But you know what I'm saying. Just just accept them as acceptable in the beloved of God. And God wants to save them too. In Genesis uh, 17, I think it is, we'll see Abraham for a minute. If you're ever wondering how to pray or if you can pray consistently for someone and or if your prayer gets uh, it lacks fervor or zeal, you know sometimes you you have people like that that you pray for uh, they've been opposing God all their lives and just doesn't seem like they ever want to change and so uh it's good to find out how God feels about Uh, righteous seed and righteousness so in uh, genesis 18 i think it is here uh, verse 17 the lord says uh, shall i hide from abraham the thing which i do and that's a call to intercession god gives us information of what his plans are so that we can intercede amen it's not that you know his his mind is made up and it's never going to change But he shares this with Abraham to see if Abraham will intercede for the righteous. Amen. And so he says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So God is saying this, I've given this man authority, rulership. His offspring are going to be innumerable, and I'm going to have all Abraham's family as righteous people in the earth, so I think I can share this with him. So when God sees that you are a person who will take authority, you're a person who will pray, you're a person who sees yourself making a difference, then he opens up his heart and begins to share more things with you. So I don't believe for one minute all these people seeing seeing doom and gloom are seeing it from God. I believe God opens his heart, amen, to righteous people who handle the word skillfully, who understand what they're doing, who have a a vision of what God wants to do in the earth. First and foremost, you have to see things the way God sees them before he'll show something to you. Uh, He can't show the blind anything. And so I I think we can, let's just get off this bandwagon of seeing so much destruction, gloom, and doom. Because there's enough of it out there already. You understand what I'm saying? You drive down any street, uh, anywhere, and, and whether you see it or not, there's people taking drugs behind closed doors. There's homeless people sleeping on the street and can't help themselves. There's unrighteousness, sin, and degradation all over. So we don 't have to embellish it by trying to see catastrophic things coming it 's bad already. You understand what I 'm saying? So, what we need to do is focus our prayers on making it better for people and not looking forward to something happening that's that 's going to cause destruction because even if you if you have a little bit of delight in sharing something like that, god 'll put it off just so you won 't be so happy. Amen. Yeah, doesn't it say that in Proverbs when you see destruction coming on the wicked and you delight in it, God will show them mercy just to show you he, he ain't like that? He's not like that, folks. He's not like that. So we have to be mature in the way we handle these things and understand it. And don't broadcast it. You know, don't, you know, you pray about that thing because. It can start other people to, it's an infectious thing. And then pretty soon everybody, all the Christians are seeing doom and gloom everywhere, you know, and, and prophesying. So we want to prophesy accurately what God is showing. So he says here in verse 19, I know him, he'll command his children and his household. That's what God is looking for. He'll share secrets with people who have that on them. If you are are responsible before God, you are, are in charge of your household and you show the way and you demand that your children obey you, then God will, will keep his word and he will share things with you because he knows you're there to make a difference and do the right thing. Amen. He says he'll, uh, he will command his children and his household after him and they'll keep the way of the Lord, do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken to him. So really, obedience to God brings all of the promises that he's ever made into your life. All you got to do is stay faithful. You don't have to do anything, uh, you know, outlandish. You don't have to make a big splash everywhere you go. Just be faithful to God. So the Lord says, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, in other words, God says they're making too much noise, I can't stand it any longer. And he says, you know, there are, are fragrances, odors, and sounds that reach up to heaven from the earth. He says that his people are a sweet savor in his nostrils, so we smell good to God. Amen. Worship smells good to God. Praise smells good to God. The fragrance of Christ smells good to Him, and so we we provide that. We are salt in the earth. So we provide a a a, a an ability of people to even be able to live here in peace and harmony. If the righteous weren't here, it would be hell twenty four seven. Amen. It'd be worse if we weren't here. And so God looks down and he sees what we create down here. Your words are a seed. Your prayers are a seed. Your prayers create an atmosphere. Your words create an atmosphere. And so he looks down. he sees Abraham creating an atmosphere that's pleasant to him. And he decides he can open up and share things with him. And the Lord said, I'm going to destroy this city because their cry is great and it's very grievous to me. So he said, I'll go down now and see <clears throat> what they have done uh, altogether for the cry of it, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom, and Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Abraham drew near and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Hmm? When you see your visions and your dreams, remember this scripture. Amen genesis eighteen twenty three will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? see Abraham knew the answer was no. he was serving a righteous God, and he says if you're doing everything right you'll survive if you're living for God you'll survive if you're praying you'll survive. He says, would you spare it if there were fifty righteous people in the city? Would you not also destroy it for that? So you can really negotiate with God on these things that we see that we think are coming to destroy the whole earth. All of these uh, um, judgments that are handed down against Christians. Remember Pastor Saeed? You know, people didn't know even where he was. He's in a prison in Iran of all places on the earth. They don't respect anybody. They're not even a member of, of, of most nations, you know, the organizations where most nations belong to, where they can live harmoniously. They don't live harmoniously with anybody. And so when they get people over there in their prisons, they beat them, they kill them, they torture them, especially Christians. Look at what they're doing to Christians every day. And now we've got a government that has, has one uh, locked up. But God, you see, but God. See, all the righteous people can petition God for the release of those who are held in bondage. You can get prisoners released. Look at the things that they're doing now on behalf of prisoners. These things are a result of prayer, folks. Because generally, once once somebody's convicted of something, they just live out their sentence. Or they rot in prison if they're for life. But all of a sudden, now we can take DNA and we can examine evidence all over again and get people a retrial if they'll be. That's a result of prayer, honey. That's not a result of science. It's a result of prayer. Because people who are, are unlawfully jailed are crying out to God, and God is hearing them. He hears the sigh of the prisoner. And it comes up to him in heaven and he gets somebody down here like Abraham to pray for him to be able to release people and spare the righteous. People who are, are illegally imprisoned can look to God to be spared and be and to be let free. It happens every day. It's happening even more so now. Because God is, is wanting to make things right for people. So Abraham then negotiates with God to spare some people. Why? Because they're under his ark. Remember Lot, the nephew? That's who's living there. So Abraham already has his ark of safety built for everybody in his family, and God knows it. And so God, when he tells him, I'm going to destroy this city where your nephew Lot is living, he gives Abraham the opportunity to petition For Lot's life. And Lot and his household were spared. Would have been spared more except that some refused to leave. Amen. And so you can tell the righteous because they go the way of God and they don't refuse to leave. And so Abraham petitioned God on behalf of his little nephew Lot. They had broken up uh, in a disagreement and parted ways. But he was still part of Abraham's heart. He was still lodged in his heart. So it doesn't matter. Don't let family disputes and grievances keep you at a distance from the realm of prayer for mercy for your loved ones. Always show mercy. Always be merciful. So the ark of safety is an ark of mercy. And it's an ark that will hold people through difficult times. And I know there are things coming into the earth. There are things already in the earth that are catastrophic, that God wants us to pray. And just enlarge the borders of your tent. Include more people in your ark of safety. And God will spare those people. We're going to see miracles that way. We're going to see the glory of God come into very dark places because of our prayers and, and our ability to keep more people under the canopy. Invite as many people in as your heart will include. I know many times you'll get calls from people for prayer for different individuals. Pray for those people and pray diligently for them and and take your your work of prayer seriously because God is always looking for someone who will enlarge the border of their tent. And see, we always use that scripture for money or for a bigger house or something. But I, I include that to be the ark of salvation that you're building for everybody that you're praying for. And so as believers, we need to keep that in the forefront just keep that in mind that there's an ark that you are building for the salvation of all of your loved ones and God is honoring those prayers and he will save your whole house and those that you love Amen? Amen? Amen Father we thank you for your word for understanding for clarity Father I thank you for true vision true prophecy We don't despise prophecy, Lord. We welcome it when it is from you. And we thank you, Father, that the vision that we have is that the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And we thank you that it is here in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and then we'll have our lunch. Amen. Anybody want prayer? Praise God. Thank you for giving us this day to rejoice, be glad in you. Thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our midst, in our lives, with our ark of safety, with our families, neighbors, friends, loved ones. Thank you, Lord, also for what you're doing in the D. And we bless you and we thank you for all of the cities that we represent here, Father, that they grow in your glory. Let it cover our cities as it covers the whole earth. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. Oh, we got to pray over our food. Thank you, Lord, to bless our bread and water and take sickness from the midst of us. Thank you, Lord, for this time of fellowship that we're about to have one with another. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. It's good to be back again. Amen. Praise God.